Welcome to the Work Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hey, my friend, it's me, Denise. I'm really, really, really glad you're here because this one is a doozy. It may not be my longest, but it is very important because what I realized is that no matter what people come to me for, it all boils down to them wanting to stop feeling pain, stop suffering, and enjoy their life. They want to feel better now. They want to feel no regrets at the end of their life, and they want to feel like they lived it to the fullest, and they realize that walking around on the earth suffering is not going to get them there. So let me remind you about this very simple model by Stephen Covey called Span of Control. And the smallest circle contains those things that are within our control. doesn't mean we're good at controlling them, but we can control what we eat, how much we eat, uh, how much wine we drink, how many cigarettes we smoke, how often we look at our phone, what we wear. We can control all of those things. And that takes a lot of energy. The next circle is what other people do. So other people are at best in your span of influence. But influence happens in the other person. You're already influenced. That doesn't make a difference. You can learn to control certain aspects of yourself so that you influence other people better. They will never be in your span of control. Everything else. Everything other than you and other people is in the sphere of what I call gravity. That means I don't care how much you don't like it, you not liking it isn't going to change a damn thing. So whether it's the weather, whether it's politics, it's outside your span of control. And the reason why this model is so is because the true cause of suffering is unrealistic expectations. Now, you can debate me about what unrealistic means, but I think of it as expecting people to act in a way they're not acting. Expecting reality to be different than it is. It's like expecting it to rain when it's not raining or expecting it to not be raining when it's raining. Expecting gravity to not work when gravity just works. So the cure for suffering is to simply accept reality. Accept that what is happening is happening. And yet we resist it. Oh my God, it's raining. I had a picnic planned today. Well, accepting it would be, okay, I guess we could bring an umbrella or we could go out to a restaurant. It's the magical, it is what it is. When we accept that what is, is, we can get through just about anything. My boss is a jerk. End of story. I have a cold. It's all good. This is much easier said than done, I know. But it is the cure for suffering. Now, the remedy for happiness, because cure for suffering is great, but happiness, that's a whole nother leap. Happiness requires a radical acceptance of reality. So, maybe your boss is a jerk. What's awesome about that. 
When we can ask our brain what's great about this is, our brain will usually find something to fill in the blank. Our brain is very creative. So if you are genuinely curious, what's great about me working for a boss who's a jerk? Your brain will figure something out. What's great about you having a cold? Your brain will figure something out. And then you can completely shift your state. So while your boss and the weather and having colds may not be completely in your span of control, here's what is. Your thoughts, when you put your mind to it, your thoughts are always in your span of control. And your physical state, now I don't mean whether you have a cold or not, or how tall you are, I'm talking about your expansiveness. Are you closed, which just means you are holding your breath and your heart and chest are closed? You are in a contracted state. Or are you expanded? Are you chest open, heart open, breathing deeply and fully into your body? Because those are two opposite states that create two opposite possibilities. And obviously, we want to be expanded more than closed. But our brain makes this harder. It makes it hard to manage our thoughts and hard to manage our state. And the main reason our brain makes this harder is because it creates certain rules. Each and every one of us carries around an invisible and unique code of conduct. A lot of us have a lot of overlap in these rules. But we have designated rules for when we can be happy. So I'm going to share a few of those. Here are some common ones. People have to like me in order for me to be happy. I can't be happy unless I feel no emotional or physical pain. People should be respectful and nice to others before I can be happy. He or she should or shouldn't just replace he or she with somebody in your life. What's your rule for what they should and shouldn't do? Or I will be happy when I achieve or have blank. Just think of all those Olympic gold medalists who couldn't allow themselves to be happy until they got the gold. And then guess how long they were probably happy for. Or I can't be happy if I had trauma in my past. I can't be happy unless they apologize. Or the system has to be fair in order for me to be happy. So if you have any of these rules, guess when you're going to be happy? Yeah, it's not good. Just take a minute and think about which rule might have fit for you. Which one did you try on and went, oh, crap, that one fits. So this is why your mind is so busy. This is why your mind is so stressed and full of negative thoughts. Because you have told your mind, dear mind, make every one of these rules a reality, even if you have to think about it constantly. So your brain overthinks about sending emails. It wakes up at 3 a.m. and thinks about, oh shit, I can't believe I said that in the meeting. Or, oh my gosh, what am I going to say in today's meeting? Or, oh my gosh, I hope my boss isn't mad at me. Your brain is constantly trying to figure out how to make everything. So I want to help you learn the magic of letting go and giving your brain a break so that you can actually live your potential starting now. So there are some prerequisites. 
I'm going to name three of them. Before you can end your suffering, first, you have to be willing. You have to be willing to feel joy now. I know that sounds kind of silly, but I want you to be honest with yourself. You don't have to know how. The how is not to be concerned with right now. I'm going to help you with that. You have to be willing to feel joy now with everything in your life just as it is. Then, if you're truly willing, you have to decide that you are ready to trade suffering for joy because willingness is not enough. I'm sure in your life you have been willing to lose some weight, for example, or get in shape. But did you make the decision? Because once you make a decision, decision means to cut away. You are literally cutting away every other possibility. You got to figure it out once you decide. And then you have to believe. You have to believe that you are worthy of feeling joy now. Okay, those are the prerequisites. Now, I'm going to start to tell you how to do this. You're going to have to create new rules because your old rules are crap. You're going to have to trash the old ones. So you're going to have to figure out what my existing rules are for happiness. I mean, I know for me, my biggest fear was that I would never live up to my potential. So I had all these rules about what it would look like if I was living up to my potential. And of course, I couldn't be happy until that happened. So I was never happy. I was stressed. I think I was contracted and held my breath from like age nine to age 41. So cut yourself some slack. Okay, you have to become a watcher of your thoughts instead of an actor in the midst of your stories. This is my problem with therapy. Maybe you have a great therapist, but a lot of therapy causes you to relive the past as if it is happening to you now. And as you've heard me say before, your brain doesn't know the difference between past, present, future. So when you relive that, you are creating suffering. I don't care what trauma happened to you in the past. I do care about you. But I don't care what happened in the past because if you are living it right now in your stories, it might as well be in your present. You are creating suffering in you. Now, you can still uh, observe what happened in the past or observe what painful thing is happening right now as an observer. So it's more like you're watching the story, you're directing it as the director instead of acting it as the actor. One of the reasons why this is so hard is that your brain is not programmed to help you reach your potential. It's not even programmed to help you feel happy. Because, you know, thousands of years ago when we're roaming the savannah, it didn't care if you were happy. It just wanted to keep you alive. So it's scanning for threats every fifth of a second. And it's finding them because it wires you with negativity bias. So you play it safe. Now you can change this. You can change this, but you have to honor the fact that you have an ancient operating system that only cares about keeping you safe and whose default strategy is to avoid pain, seek pleasure, and conserve energy, just in case you need to run away from a lion. Okay, so how do we overcome the brain? First of all, I want you to know that there are three pains that your brain is willing to sacrifice joy and happiness for if it avoids them. The first I'm, come, I'm sure this comes as no surprise, social pain. We so hate social pain, that feeling that people are mad at us, that people don't like us, that we're willing to sacrifice our happiness. 
you may not make this choice overtly, but your brain is doing it for you by implanting all these thoughts about what you need to do in order to play it safe so people like you. The other pain is status pain. Your brain doesn't like feeling like it's not good enough compared to somebody else. So it's going to have you overwork, overprepare, just so it doesn't feel this other existential pain. And energy depletion pain. This is why you may commit to an exercise routine and then you don't do it. Because your brain is so scarcity-minded scarcity that it's going to try and store up all that energy, even if it means that it has you sitting on the couch, eating ice cream, uh, drinking wine, and watching Netflix. Your brain would rather you do that than live a joyful life. So let's talk about how to overcome this. First of all, in order to release, you have to notice. You have to notice your thoughts. And you have to realize you're not your thoughts. You have to ask yourself, what if this wasn't true? And then you can ask yourself, I wonder what could be truer. Am I really not living up to my potential? What could be truer? Is my boss really a jerk? What could be truer? Maybe my boss is having a terrible marriage, or in a lot of pain, or in some kind of emotional trauma. The point is to get curious and not get sucked into the story. And then when you do create a new story for this, you got to make sure that it feels good. Now, noticing your thoughts is one thing. You have to notice the emotion that accompanies the thought. And instead of diving deep and living in that emotion as if it's you, as if you are guilty, you are shame, you have to just notice objectively that you're having a feeling, a sensation, a vibration of shame. You have to get out of the story, the thought that is creating the emotion, and just notice the emotion detached from the story. Then you can start to feel it in your body. I feel all my emotions in my heart. I don't, some people feel them in their gut. For me, it's all in my chest, which is convenient because then I can just expand. Take a deep breath in. Allow your chest to open. Allow your heart to open. It's just a shift of mind that creates an opening in the energy center at your heart. Allow the emotion to rise. This is literally a stored package of energy that because you didn't let it pass through the first time, it got stored. And it's like a lead ball in your energy field. And it probably feels that way to you too. Now, it only takes about two minutes at most for an emotion to cycle through us. But what happens is, instead of just letting it to neutrally cycle through us and just notice it, like, oh, wow, huh, I just had guilt pop up when I had that thought. We feed it. Oh, my God, I feel guilty. Oh, my God, what should I do? Oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. And when we feed it, we don't want to feel it. It's too painful, so we just store it. We push it down, and then it starts to make us sick, whether it's just emotionally sick or whether it becomes a physical sickness because this affects our immune system. The negative emotions, I call them negative because they vibrate at a very low frequency that is heavy and impairs our energy and impairs our immune system. So when we allow them to rise, they just leave. They literally just depart. They come up through our heart and they
They do what emotions naturally do. They just end. They phase out. They lose their power. It's the same thing with positive emotions. Just think about it. Last time you felt joy, how long did that last? <laughs> Unfortunately, it's kind of fleeting. You have to do stuff to keep cultivating an emotion. And we're very easy at continuing negative emotions and not so good at positive emotions. I just had a conversation this morning with an amazing woman. She's probably listening to this right now. And she was telling the story about her potential. And I said, what emotion do you feel? She named off several, but then shame came up. Shame is the big kahuna because it's the lowest vibrating emotion. I know it's the most painful and it's the most damaging to your system. But she just noticed it. She followed my advice. She goes, wait, wait, where did it go? It was in my heart and now it's gone. Wow, you're really good at this. Because she just objectively noticed it. She could feel it and notice it. No. Some of us aren't that skilled at noticing our emotions. Um, I'm a nine on the Enneagram, and we're really good at numbing. <laughs> what emotions? Emotions? I'm much better now at noticing my emotions and feeling my emotions. But just to say, this might take some more practice for you, for you to just notice. So play around with it. Notice where in your body it is. Be patient with yourself. So with this woman, we came up with a new story about her potential, and she loved it. And it felt true, and ex she felt expansive when she said it. So that's great, but that's not enough. You have to repeat the new thought. You have to repeat the new positive story often, and you have to feel the positive emotion at the same time. Now again, our brains are not good at practicing this, so we have to help it. You have to create cues in your day to practice. When I found my upgraded story that just made me giggle every time I thought it, I went from suffering and shame about my potential to giggling. I had to create cues. So one of them was every time I touched a faucet to turn on the water, or every time I switched a light switch, I would say the new story and feel the emotion. Because if you only think it, it's not good enough. We think things all the time and they have no effect on us. So you can't just say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, people like me. You have to actually feel the emotion of whatever it is, pride, joy, happiness, while you think the thing. And this is not about how long it takes to embed a new habit. It is about how frequently you feel and think the new thought and emotion. Because repetition, not time, is what does it. So the more you practice, the more cues you create, as long as you are feeling the corresponding story and emotion, you will become a new person vibrationally. So you have the tools now. You have the awareness. Now you just have to make the choice. So I suggest you decide. Do I choose to keep my rules for happiness and continue to contract and suffer? Or do I choose to drop my rules Replace them with new ones that help me expand and vibrate at a high frequency no matter what is going on around me and no matter what other people do. So let's say you choose door number two. How are you going to do it? Okay, I'm going to give you some suggested new rules to live by, but then you make up your own. So you're going to want to journal on this. But here are some possibilities. Every person, every event in my life was sent here my growth. Now you look at every person, every event in your life as a gift. How did it help you grow? Here's another rule. 
I am not my emotions. I'm not my thoughts. Or what other people think of me is none of my business. That guy on Twitter, that's his stuff, not mine. That guy in the meeting who interrupted me, that's not about me. How about this one? I am a perfectly imperfect masterpiece. I am right where I'm supposed to be. I am more capable and more effective when I feel good. I can feel good no matter what is going on around me. Please feel free to borrow any of these or make up your own. And you might be thinking, okay, that's great, but I want to feel better right now. <laughs> and I want you to too. But for a lot of us, we're not accustomed to feeling joy. And it may feel a little out of reach. Because if you're vibrating at resentment, guilt, or shame, it's a big leap to joy. But there is a gateway emotion that will help you get there. And it's called gratitude. Gratitude also vibrates at the same frequency as love. So take your pick. I love feeling gratitude. So you can look around your home, look around your surroundings. And you can't just think, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for I have a roof over my head. No, 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 no. Those are words. You have to feel the emotion of gratitude. You have to feel love for this gift you have been given. So pick something in your life until you can cultivate the emotion of gratitude. Maybe you could imagine that thing leaving you and then coming back. How would you feel if it was gone? And how do you feel when it comes back? So I think of gratitude as like a shortcut to joy. All right, so now it is your turn. I want you to write, just journal and brainstorm all the rules for happiness that you have right now. And please don't judge yourself. With, I mean, the, the more fun you can have with this, the better. Just get real honest. Who in your life are you not forgiving? Because I'm telling you, forgiving is hurting you, not them. So I recommend you drop that. What shame are you holding on to? And uh, what shame, what good is shame doing you? None. It's doing the opposite. So good to notice when you're holding on to it. How much longer are you prepared to continue like this? What will your new rules be? Again, just brainstorm and pick the ones that feel the best. And you may only need one. Feel the best and you actually believe it. And then how will you remind yourself every day many times a day to notice your thoughts. Notice them as an observer or an actor, not, or as an observer or a director, not an actor. And how will you notice when you contract? How will you catch yourself holding your breath? So you can release. Release the emotion and expand. Open your heart. And how will you remind yourself to repeat and embed these new beliefs? What will your cue be? And then please, go easy on yourself. 
I like to remind myself that even the Dalai Lama gets off center because he's human. He must. Probably not very often, but he must. So it's going to be perfectly imperfect. But if you keep doing this, one day you're going to wake up and realize you have a new set point and a new emotional home. When that happens, you will truly be living your potential. And you're going to be shocked by all the amazing people, coincidences, and gifts and opportunities that come your way. Because you will be vibrating at a completely different frequency. And our vibration attracts the same. Like attracts like. So your joy is your birthright. And when you start vibrating at joy, man, people are going to, good people are going to want to be around you. And you're going to start attracting everything that you want in your life. Until that happens, you're going to feel joy anyways. So now you know how to retrain your overprotective brain. I want you to thank your brain. It's just trying to keep you safe, but then you can redirect it. This is potentially, probably, the best self-improvement project you are likely to ever take on. I'm excited for you. Thanks for listening to Work-Life Brilliance. If you want to be coached by Denise... Join her in the Work-Life Brilliance Academy, where wholehearted humans are becoming the best version of themselves. Accepting applications now at wlbacademy.com.